Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome aboard on a Tuesday, August 2nd, the year 2022. Hope you're having a great day out there. Thanks so much for joining us. We're brought to you today by Eon of Lafayette, soon to be in Baton Rouge, soon to be in Mandeville. It's the first robotic touchless laser device in which you feel nothing but cool air on your troublesome spots that takes care of everything and loses fat, get the, gets rid of fat on a permanent basis. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite. In the game studios, he's spinning the tubes, pushing all the buttons. And the studios are located on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also 1041 in Lake Charles. We are uh, streaming all over the world. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you have to be in your television set and in the Acadiana area, you can uh, turn it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The big blockbuster trade has taken place in Major League Baseball. Juan Soto is leaving the Washington, the Washington and heading to the San Diego Padres. But the Houston Astros were very, very busy as well. And to give us the very latest as we kick things off, we go to Houston and the sports director of the NBC affiliate, KPRC-TV, good friend of mine. I've done games with him. He's very talented, and he's a staple in the Houston area. Randy McElvoy, kind enough to join us to give us the latest on the Strohs because they're about to have a press conference in which he has to run off to and cover. But, Randy, thank you for your time, man. How you been, buddy? Well, Jordy, hope the summer's uh, treating you well. Football's back. Uh, baseball's in the final uh, stretch leg of the season. It's going to be a lot of fun over the next few months. Yeah, the Astros are, um, are are right there in the thick of it. They're trying to do everything they can to to make sure they have a long postseason run and, and maybe get back to yeah. the World Series and win it all. So let's take it through. Uh, they were looking for a catcher, looking for a first baseman. They got that. Now they've got a, uh, a pitcher as well. So give me the lowdown. And how do you think the Astros have done? I think they've done very well. I mean, James Click, the, the general manager of the Astros, he's been on board uh, season three now. Uh, he indicated that uh, he was not going to be held back by the owner. The owner, Jim Crane, made it clear to him, Jordy, that, hey, you do what it takes to make us a better ball club. And he's delivered, I think. If, if the report cards, so to speak, come out, I think they're going to get a high grade. Uh, Trey Mancini's a guy that can uh, – play first base, he could DH, he could just play a little outfield, which is good mm-hmm. because they've got Michael Brantley, who still isn't even swinging the bat because of his shoulder, so there's a little concern on on his timetable, and so you got Mancini that can play multiple positions. Uh, Christian Vasquez, they needed a catcher to spell Martin Maldonado. Maldonado's their guy. Uh, 
Right. He may not be hitting a lot, but he is hitting well in July. Uh, but it's how he carries that pitching staff and really the, the respect factor that all those pitchers have for him uh, is is off the roof there. And uh, Martin's got to be out there most days, but Vasquez is there to spell him. And uh, I think that's a great acquisition. Hit the ball well, good defensive player. So we're going to meet him here in about a half an hour. Uh, and then the last move you mentioned, uh, Jake Odorizzi, who's been up and down this year battling injuries. Astros needed a left-hander. Uh, they had no left-hander at all. Uh, so now you got a guy like Will Smith, uh, who's a proven veteran, that can uh, help you in crunch time. So they, they accomplished all of their goals. Now it's up to these players to fit in and to, you know, to continue to press onward. Um, I, I'm just continually amazed at the year that Justin Verlander has had. And that's another guy that, you know, the trade deadline comes and the Astros figure out a way to get him. And look what he's done a, a year off of being injured. He's, he's a Cy Young winner. Uh, I, I mean, if it ended today, he's the hands down winner. No question. Yeah, I think you've got to get you got to give it to him at this point. I mean, just just an amazing story. Any anybody, Jordy, you know that goes through a Tommy John, uh, you just don't know how they're going to respond. Now, uh, in his case, not only has he responded in a Cy Young level, his velocity at the age of thirty nine. I mean, he, his last two starts, Jordy, he was he was hitting ninety eight, ninety nine a few times. I mean, this is a thirty nine year old. Pitching one of the best seasons of his career, uh, just a just a great story, man. He's put in the work. It was uh, he said it was one of the hardest things he's done, having to sit out and watch and wait. But it's been well worth it. Uh, now the key is going to be can the Astros hold on to him after this season? Because I think he's going to be in obviously high demand, and he still has a few years left. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't plan to retire anytime soon. Well, you know, we saw the Astros um, take on the Yankees and get a couple of big-time wins there. The Yankees were very, very yep. busy as well. How do you think the Yanks fared? Uh, as it seems like there's a collision course between that team in Texas <laughs> and that team in, in the state of New York. Yeah, it's kind of like the, these two clubs are looking at each other. As one team yes. makes the move, the other one makes another move. Uh, no, I think the Yankees did well. I think, I mean, they're a great team, and I think they even got better. I mean, you got Frankie Montas is a guy that's intriguing. He's a, I think he's a guy that's going to help them in their, in their rotation. Mm-hmm. He was just on a really bad team. Uh, they picked up who's the other guy. They got another guy from Oakland as well. But I think Montas is a, is a guy they're very high on. And I mean, they're just, they just don't have any weak links, man. I mean, Astros have very few weak links. And yeah, they, it, you know, barring some strange outcome in the postseason, I still see how they can avoid each other in the ALCS. Yankees get uh, two right-handers, uh, Montas and Lou Trevino, to try and shore up their thing. I mean, but my gosh, that, that team hits home runs. They, they they hit so many home runs, it's not even funny. And Judge has, has been just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, what, he's got 43 now. Yeah, he's got like 11 in his last 12 games, some crazy stretch. I mean, it's, I mean they're unbelievable. They're a great team. The Astros have uh, played well against them head-to-head, though. And uh, we'll see if that matters in the postseason. It probably doesn't. But you got to think it's in the head of the Yankees a little bit because the Astros yeah. really should have swept them in New York. They let a couple get away when they were well in control. And then they took care of business at home. So it's got to be at least in the head of the Yankees. 
on the head-to-head matchup with the Astros, and uh, Astros respect them as well. I mean, I just, I, I do, I hope they do meet. I think they should meet, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be the Dodgers, and we'll see who else comes out of the National League in the NLCS. Yeah, uh, of, of all of all the picks of all the acquisitions from the Astros, who who's the main? What's the main one? What's the one that um, really you think elevated this club a little bit better? You talking about yes from yesterday's moves? Yes, from all the trades before the deadline with the Astros. If you yep. had to put your finger on one that said, that you go, oh, okay, that's going to make this team better. Is there one? Well, based on the, the moves yesterday, I think of that group, the, the one that's going to get the most playing time, and I think that's going to be a real added pop in their lineup is Mancini. Uh, yeah. He's a great contact hitter. Um, he gets on base. He, he can just do a lot of things. They, they need a little bit of a, a spark from that right side. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I think he's a um, – is he a lefty? I think he might be a lefty, actually, right? Uh, well, he's a right-handed oh, bat. He swings it right. Yeah, right hand back. That's right. He reads yeah. the right hand. That's right. And uh, anyway, he's, he gets off base, and the fact that he's versatile, I think, is perfect for this team because Yuli Gurriel is the first baseman. There's no doubt about that. But he has struggled. He's the reigning AL batting champion, but he struggled this season. Now I I think I'm seeing signs. He's kind of yeah. snapping out of it. We, but can he be consistent? But he's a great defensive player. So I don't think Mancini will play a lot of first base. I think you'll see a lot of DH, and when Jordan Alvarez DHs, I think they'll just flip-flop and Mancini can play left field. So his versatility and the fact that he, he produces at the plate, I think that was oh, a big okay. get, and you didn't have to give up very much to get him. I think that was exactly. real big. Exactly. Astros the are in good shape. Was... They didn't give up any of their top prospects. Right. Jose Siri was a guy they liked. That was part of that three-team deal to get Mancini, but... Uh, you know, Dury's still out on him on a big league level uh, offensively. Pretty good defensive player. So that, that, that one kind of hurts, but he's got his, he has had his chances at a big league level this year and just hadn't produced offensively. Randy McElvoy, kind enough to join us. He is the king at NBC in Houston. Um, look, I, I think Mancini is a clubhouse leader. I think he's a good first baseman. He's not a great one, but he's a good one. I think he uh, – I give the Astros an A for their efforts, and I will see what happens down the stretch run. Randy, I, I know you got to run off and take care of business. Thank you so much for hopping on board with us and giving us the latest. Uh, H-Town should be happy by now. I think they are right now, but a lot of baseball left, Jordan. But yeah. I appreciate you having me on, man, anytime. You're the best. Randy McElvoy, kind enough to join us here today. So um, may not have gotten the big big name splash. They were thinking about some other things, but, uh, uh, you know, what the heck. They, they did what they did. They think they're better. They got, they got the picture that they need, a lefty. So um, I think all is right in the world with – the Houston Astros. Um, speaking of the Astros, if I can open this up, uh, let's see, let's see here. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, the game one hundred three seven Lafayette and one hundred four one Lake Charles. Uh, well, I got so much stuff; it's just crazy. Who wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway? The Red Hot Houston Astros take on the Baltimore Orioles on Saturday, August 27th. You can be there. Register in the game clubhouse to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Bookshare AC, Lay Meridian, Houston, downtown, and the game. South 
Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, now we know a little bit more about Sean Payton and the possibility of going to Miami. And the NFL has uh, chimed in on it. We'll get the very latest update. Chris Dunnels joins us next. Oh, yeah. Miami, you in some trouble, boy. Uh, after this timeout, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back. Uh, we shift gears. We'll talk about the New Orleans Saints now. And that brought to you by Cajun Chef. Decidedly different, delectably delicious. The best hot sauce you'll find on the planet. Born and raised and grown and, and produced right there in St. Martinville. All right. Well, we got some news. Remember how the uh, Brian Flores, the ex-coach of the Miami Dolphins, had a racial discrimination lawsuit against the league? Well, the league has been investigating for months. Months and months and months now, and boy, they came out with some stuff, and we want to find out uh, what it's all about from our good friend Christopher Dunnels, who does a great job covering the Saints for Canal Street Chronicles. He's saying, Jordy, Miami, why, why the Saints? Well, appears that there was a little tampering going on. Christopher, good afternoon, man. How are you? I'm good, Jordy. How are you? Looking, uh, looking forward to a nice 2022 football season, so fun <laughs> to have some news coming this way. Yeah, we, we before we get to 2022 and the season ahead, we got to go back to early in 2022. Apparently, the Miami Dolphins really did want Sean Payton. Give me the lowdown. So, Sean Payton announced his retirement on January 25th, 2022. That's when the whole world knew. So, yeah. right before that, uh, people in his inner circle, circle were, were told. But apparently, uh, the Miami Dolphins, who were one of the teams after Peyton kind of announced his retirement, who reached out to the Saints and asked permission to interview Coach Peyton to see if they could convince him to quickly come out of retirement and coach the Dolphins. Well, apparently their attempts to woo Sean Peyton didn't start after Peyton announced his retirement. Apparently the NFL found out in their six-month investigation that the Dolphins tried attempting to woo Peyton while he was already under contract with the Saints earlier in January 2022. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, apparently they were also, and, and, and now we're starting to connect the dots because apparently they were trying to uh, get a quarterback out of Tampa along the same lines. Yeah. So pro football talk uh, was on it from the beginning. There were some murmurs and rumors that the Dolphins' big plan uh, was to pair Sean Payton at head coach, having him come out of retirement, with quarterback Tom Brady, him coming out of retirement. Because if you remember, he also retired at the end of the 2021 regular season and then subsequently unretired to come back to the Buccaneers. But apparently the Dolphins' plan was to have Sean Payton and Tom Brady take the helm. Who knows what they were going to do with Tua uh, at quarterback. (laughs) But then that Brian Flores lawsuit you mentioned threw a big wrench in it. Everything uh, got turned upside down, and they were forced to uh, look in other directions. When that Flores lawsuit mentioned, among other things, uh, potential offers to tank that the 
Dolphins organization was pressuring Flores while Flores was the coach to lose games that they were offering to pay him extra if he would lose. That's when the NFL really started digging, and as they started digging and some stones got unturned, that's when the NFL started to learn that there was some truth to the tampering with both Brady and Sean Payton. Wow, Christopher Donald's with us. Uh, The Dolphins are going to forfeit a first-round pick in the 2023 NFL draft because of this, a third-round selection in the 2024 draft. Um, The billionaire, Stephen Ross, the Miami Dolphins' owner, has been fined $1.5 million. That's a drop in the bucket, and he'll be uh, uh, suspended through October 17th, which means he can't go anywhere near the building, can't go to any meetings, can't go. He's got to be persona non gratis. Go, Go take your European vacation for uh, uh, a couple of months and go relax and enjoy life. So um, very, very, very interesting um, about that. This doesn't rule out the possibility that um, Sean Payton could go to Miami in 2023, does it? There's no like, all right, you tampered, so you can't ever pursue him anymore. No, there wouldn't be an official rule in that per se. I would say it would probably be a pretty bad look. Uh, yeah. for the Miami Dolphins organization if they were to try to pick up the phone and give Sean Payton a call now. So <laughs> while it wouldn't be officially impossible, I'd say it's probably practically impossible. <laughs> okay. Um, so um, we'll see. Um, uh, we'll see what happens with Sean Payton down the road. But Miami got their hand slapped, um, and they're paying the price for it. Uh, and I just think that's an owner that has so much money. He's getting up in age, and he, he just wants to win. He's tired of losing, and he wants to win somehow, some way. Um, and uh, he kind of did it the wrong way, and he got, he, he got slapped on the wrist for it. Is that, is that kind of the way to sum it up? No, I agree completely. I think the, the fines really mean nothing. But this should be encouraging for Saints fans. What Saints fans can hopefully take away from this is that, as most Saints fans would probably come to expect, Sean Payton is going to be highly coveted. And because he remains under contract with the New Orleans Saints despite his retirement, any team that wants him, whether it's the Dolphins or otherwise, and in 2022 or 2023 or 2024, they would have to trade for Sean Payton's right. So they would have to probably trade at least one first-round draft pick. So there were, you know, some discussions early when Sean Payton announced his retirement, and then especially when the Saints opted to trade away next year's first-round pick in order to move up for the picks that were uh, eventually used to select Chris Lave and Trevor Penning, that the Saints might have been forfeiting too much of the future when there was so much uncertainty now. But with all of this going on with the Dolphins, that just reaffirms the idea that the Saints are probably going to get at least one first-round pick back next year because Sean Payton's going to be itching to coach again. Do you think there's any snowball's chance, and you know what, that Sean Payton, because of the relationship he's had, uh, takes a year off and comes back and says, hey, Mickey, um, I, you know, I love New Orleans. I just bought that condo up there on the top of the Four Seasons. I love this. I want to come back and coach the Saints. What do you think the Saints would do if he did that? I would say Saints fans should be very hopeful that that doesn't happen. Because <laughs> if that happens, what that means is Dennis Allen did a terrible job in 2022. True. The Saints to then welcome Sean Payton back with open arms. So, What the Saints should hope for is that Dennis Allen does great. The Saints have a winning record. The Saints are optimistic about Dennis Allen's future as the head coach of the organization. And that Sean Payton still says, baby, come back. I'm so sorry. I miss you. 
uh, and the Saints instead choose to trade his rights to a team like the Chargers or the Dolphins or even the shudder to think about it, Dallas Cowboys, and take those first-round picks and use it to build Dennis Allen's team. In in essence, Saints fans have to hope that that Sean Payton wants to get back in coaching like really quick, like take one year off and go because every year that goes by, value goes down. Uh, I think trade pick uh, the 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 picks um, lessen a little bit. But if he goes back after missing just one year, oh, let's get the bounty for him, right? I agree, but at the same time, think about it uh, as trading for an NFL player who might sign a really long-term contract but only has one year left. At that point, the idea is you would still trade away top assets to get that player, or in this case, that coach, with the hope that once you have him, you can then convince him to stay and get him to sign a new contract. So, yeah, I think the value that you could get for Sean Payton as the coach probably diminishes a little bit as each passing year. But as long as he's under contract with the Saints and the Saints have exclusive control over where he goes, I think the Saints still have a ton of leverage to at least get one first-round pick, no matter how long he has left on the deal. So he's under contract for this season, 2022, next season, 2023, and 2024. Is that correct? That's right. Three years. Wow. Okay. Good. Very good. All right. Well, Chris Dunnels, um, they put the pads on for the second day. They had to go indoors a little bit. Uh, what, what is your What is your thought process? What have you um, what accumulated so far in camp? What stands out to you, if anything? So the defense is still playing lights out. The question then becomes how much of that is the defense being awesome and how much of that could be the offense struggling. Uh, so, for instance, C.J. Gardner-Johnson a couple days ago had a great interception and run back for a touchdown, uh, undercutting a route on the ball thrown by Jameis Winston that Winston probably should have seen uh, Gardner-Johnson in the area. So that's the exact kind of play where you credit Gardner-Johnson for making the good play, but you All also right. have to be a little apprehensive of Winston for throwing the ball in the first place. Uh, but the overall play of the defense, especially the growth that we're seeing in last year's first, uh, I guess he would have been a third-round pick, Paulson Adiba, the cornerback, uh, he's been playing phenomenal. Might be the, the mm-hmm. player of camp so far. That's awesome. Um, Michael Thomas, um, I, I know it's early, but reports are that, that he looks pretty good as well. It, it, is he, it, it may be too early to say he's the Michael Thomas of old, but it's just great to have him back out there. Oh, absolutely. So he's making cuts. It's important to know that while the pads are on, no one's just taking full-on open field tackles right now. So we've yet to see what happens with Michael Thomas and his ankle if he gets tackled low and how that ankle is able to respond and what happens next because those are going to be the big questions. But right now, Michael Thomas looks clean out there. He's able to dig that foot into the ground and make cuts like we used to see. So we're all very optimistic that hopefully we're going to get a version of a player not too far off from what we saw in 2019 when he went off as a player of the year. That's awesome. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, we look. I appreciate you hopping on board on short and short notice. But when I saw the the Dolphins and Peyton and all, I had to get a hold of you, and you were very very kind to to uh, reciprocate, and and I greatly appreciate it. So so thank you very much. Um, I know you're busy. You got stuff to do. We appreciate the time as always, and you take care. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Jordy. Good all right, one. buddy. Take care.
Christopher Dunnels, great job with Canal Street Chronicles. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, about a $50 gift certificate to the Acadiana Bar and Grill, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. So we've talked Astros baseball with the trades. We've talked uh, tampering for Sean Payton with the Saints and the Dolphins. Time to talk a little LSU. Matthew Bruni will join us. It is the day before the day before training camp starts. Tigers will report tomorrow on Wednesday. First practice under Brian Kelly on Thursday. We'll talk Tigers when we return. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You know the deal. We're your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's time to talk Tigers, brought to you by Cajun Chef, the best hot sauce on the planet. The Billard family for decade after decade, using only the finest peppers that produce the finest hot sauce. Cajun Chef, bring a little bottle with you wherever you go, because everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. Matthew Bruni, all things LSU for Go247 Sports, kind enough to join us. Matthew, what's happening, buddy? How are you? I'm doing great. I'm ready to take on all of your, any and all LSU questions. I'm entrenched into this team now at this point. We just did a podcast this morning. I'm, I'm ready to go. I know you want to talk football. I got to start with baseball real quick. Uh, kind of a blow for a great offseason for LSU, but that Vanderbilt shortstop, Carter Young, uh, couldn't turn down $1.325 million um, as a late pick. Late pick um by the baltimore orioles so they so they lose him they lose the former baylor bear jack pineda but they do have the louisiana gatorade player of the year and gavin gidry so you know addition by subtraction whatever but uh, that that kind of struck a blow you never know in baseball i hate it yeah it, it was it was weird because you know we obviously have all all these names that we have and projections going into it being like, if this guy's not taken by this pick or by this round, we have pretty good understanding that he's going to be going to LSU or not be going to the MLB. And so that one kind of caught us off guard. Um, but I think overall, you look at what Jay Johnson's just oh, yeah. done this offseason, you, yeah. you you have to be encouraged. And on paper, I've seen people already talking, like, talking this is a top five, top ten team. I'm like, all right, it is August. I mean, it was July when this happened. I was like, all right, let's, let's Slow the roll. We don't have to buy our tickets yet to uh, to Omaha, but it definitely is promising. 
All right. Um, the other good news is that uh, Jaden Newt, uh, the big 6'4", 235-pound five-star right-hander out of California, did not sign with the Milwaukee Brewers. He's going to play at LSU, so that's good. All right, let's sift over to LSU football. You said you did a, you're entrenched with this recruiting thing now. What is the, the decommitment of Woodlawn of Baton Rouge quarterback Ricky Collins? He said, ah, Purdue, nah, nah, nah. Seems like it's Taylor May. It looks like that's the quarterback that LSU covets and uh, looks like they might get him. Yeah, it's, um, we've, we've been kind of waiting on this to a degree, but there was some uncertainty because he was committed for, to Purdue for like 10, 11 months. And, you know, whenever you're committed for that long, you have, at least have relationships with that coaching staff that it's going to be tough to break. But Joe Sloan, quarterback coach at LSU, has been working this for months at this point, and uh, so it finally happened. It finally he finally decommitted from Purdue, and you know all signs point to LSU being the team that he's going to be going to. So uh, you have your quarterback for the class now. Obviously, it wasn't Dante Moore, it wasn't Jalen Rashad. Those are two top you know five quarterbacks in the class. But Ricky Collins has been ranked you know, between the 11 and 13 range by yeah. all most recruiting services. So it's definitely, he's definitely a, a capable force, a guy that you, you'll take. So it's just been interesting to watch it all unfold. And I, I'm, I'm impressed that Joe Sloan was able to flip him. Shelton Sampson is the other um, kind of guy that's, you, you don't want to say you got to get him, but he's right in your backyard. He goes to Catholic high, seen the kid play once or twice, um, I know a little bit. I don't know as much as those guys do, but I can tell who can and who can't, and that kid can play. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I'll just go ahead and say that you probably have to get him. Um, I know it's not going to determine whether you win a championship or not in the next four years or whatever, but, man, if you can get him and not lose a great talent like that from Baton Rouge – I think it sets up this class to be special, which is what obviously LSU fans and the coaching staff expects, right? You expect mm-hmm. to be a top seven, top eight class. And if you don't get Sheldon Sampson, that becomes a lot more difficult. Um, and if nothing else, just from a wide receiver standpoint, if you get Sheldon Sampson along with Jalen Brown from Miami, um, along with uh, maybe a Kai Preen, um, from Louisiana, and uh, Kyle Parker from Texas. I mean, that's okay. a really, really good receiving core. And last year they didn't add that many receivers, right? They added Landon Ibietta and Kyron Lacey from Lafayette. So um, I, I think it's huge, and I definitely agree with you. He he can go. He's very, very, very good. So um, I, I think it's going to be a big, big deal when he announces his commitment on the 6th. On the six, Matthew Bruni, kind enough to join us from Go247 Sports. That's the future. Let's talk about the present. Everybody wants to know who the starting quarterback's going to be, and that, that will play out. I know um, every quarterback's always told me his best friend is a really good running game. And I'm really curious, is this going to be running back by committee? Or do you think out of this group of John Emery, um, Armani Goodwin, Trey Bradford, Josh Williams, the transfer from Penn State, Noah Kane, is somebody you think can emerge from this pack and be that guy that, that goes and gets you a thousand yards? So uh, that's that to me is an important question. Who is this running back going to be? I think the only player with the potential of being the running RB1 for the entire 
season is John Emery. I think that's best case scenario is he takes the reins and he doesn't let them go. You know, it's kind of like the whole quarterback thing where you want a guy to take the reins and never let go. Well, running back is different, obviously, because other guys will get carries. But if John Emery can live up to what we've hoped he could be the past couple years, that changes the dynamic of the team, especially with, I mean, not for nothing, I think there's some question marks on the offensive line. And if John Emery is that dude this year, then that answers some of them, right? It at least gives them a little bit of um, of wiggle room on the offensive line to not have to be perfect all the time. So uh, John Emery is the one for me that I'm looking forward to. He definitely has the highest ceiling. Um, however, I'm really high on Armani Goodwin if he can stay healthy and he can put it together just because of his, his explosiveness, by far the most explosive in, in, on the team. So, yeah, you have those guys, and then some are higher on Noah Kane than I am, but if nothing else, Noah Kane's a really smart back that can – uh, come in, pass, protect, and just do do all the right things. I'm always curious why a kid would transfer from one school, go to another, without an idea that he's going to get some serious playing time. I, I just don't understand it. I'm sure he could have gone to many places and w- w- would have been told, hey, you're you're our, our number one running back. Not the case at LSU. We shall see. We all know at wide receiver that Kayshawn Boutte is option number one. Um Jack Besh went to SEC Media Days. Maybe that gives you a hint as to who uh, wide receiver number two is. But uh, Jerry Jenkins has been pretty good. And you've got a, I mean, that's a deep lineup with Brian Thomas, Malik Neighbors. You mentioned Kyron Lacey. Um, man, who's, who's, who's wide receiver two? Give me, uh, give me Malik Neighbors. Give me Malik Neighbors. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and put that one down for now. Um, I just was so impressed by him during the spring. And it sounded like his teammates were so impressed by what he was able to do and the improvement he had. I mean, he was good last year, too, not for nothing. But he's going to continue to be someone that, whether it's in the slot or whether it's on the boundary, is going to be a reliable guy for whoever the quarterback is this year. Now, um, I don't think there's going to be a huge separation between him and Jack Besh or Brian Thomas or you know anybody else on the receiving core for that second receiver spot. Um, but I just trust Malik Neighbors to be – he has that combination of being reliable and being explosive that not okay. many players have. We shall see. Um, as we continue talking LSU football, the Tigers will report to camp on Wednesday, tomorrow, first practice, they'll go through, you know, they get all their equipment fitted, they'll get their their physicals done, all those kind of things, they'll get that out the way, and then Thursday, they'll hit the ground running with their first practice under Brian Kelly, and when you have a new staff on board, you got players fighting for a starting job, you got newcomers that are, are going to try and show you, hey, this is what I can do, and you either got returners who want to show that they're deserving of some playing time, so when you look you look at this lineup, um, and you did a great article on this, by the way. Give me, give me a, a player that you believe has a lot to prove in this month of August to this new coaching staff to deserve to get on the field and play substantial snaps. Well, first, thank you for plugging my article. Uh, yeah, that was, it was interesting looking at it because there's so many players you could throw into this that has that have you know stuff to prove in, in this fall and you go down Jaden Daniels, Noah Kane, you know, uh, Seven Banks is one that I'll, I'll go ahead and say right off the bat. I think mm-hmm. him coming over this summer and obviously the question marks coming from Ohio State where his health, you know, is, is he a player that he was in 2020? We don't know, but I think Seven Banks is one of the main ones for me because the cornerback room, I, I liked 
Gardner and I like and I like Bernard. I like those two players. However, beyond that, there's just so many question marks. And if Gardner or Bernard miss any time, you need Banks to step and be viable because we know how you know potent the offenses can be. So seven Banks is is probably the one for me that I'm most looking forward to seeing. But another one I'll throw out there is um, Anthony Bradford, uh, offensive line. Some are projecting him to start. I think he just he needs he has to put it together on and off the field at this point. It's now obviously offensive line is the one position where the the coach stayed the same from last year, but still Anthony Bradford is someone who has had a little bit of a winding winding road at times. So those are the two that I'll say. Obviously, uh, like you, like you said, there's a story on ten of them. Uh, you can throw out a lot of names, but I think those are the two I'll I'll stick with. I've got one for you. Um, he's listed on the all the awards um, preseason award charts, but didn't do much in the spring and has been kind of overshadowed by Mike Jones and Greg Penn at the linebacker spot. I think Micah Baskerville has a lot to prove to this new coaching staff. He's talented, but can he can he persuade these coaches that he's talented enough? Yeah, no, he's 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 on the story uh, as well, and because of that, and it's just it's not just that he didn't perform during the spring, which is for whatever reason grades, um, whatever it is, uh, but it's also the fact that Mike Jones and Greg Penn looked so good during the spring. So it's like you know, whenever you're gone, you see what other players can do, and Mike Jones and Greg Penn looked very capable at those linebacker positions. Did they look maybe as good as Mike Baskerville could look? this fall maybe not but uh basketball is definitely gonna have to prove that he is capable of being um a starting linebacker on the team because like we talked about it's a completely different coaching staff and matt house it does not you know owe basketball anything really so it's it's gonna be interesting that who who starts between those three and, and you have to throw in um the highly heralded yeah. top 10 yeah. national recruit in Harold Perkins. I mean, that's, that's the plum of the, of the recruiting class and everybody expects to see him on the field and being an impact player. That's a lot of pressure for a kid that's straight out of high school and now stepping up and playing the Alabamas, the Auburns, the Florida's, the Florida States of the world. Yeah. Um, obviously I, I don't expect him to start. I mean, I definitely don't expect him to start Jack because that's B. Joe Gillari, and that's like a defensive end more so. But, you know, the offense, the linebacker room, I, I think there's he's going to get on the field one way or another. I don't think he's going to start, but he's probably too talented not to play a significant amount. You know, I'm not saying uh, 40% of snaps, but 30 25% of snaps, something like that. Like, you throw him in, that's, that's a good amount for a freshman. So uh, I can't see him not playing. I think Will Campbell emerging in the spring kind of gives me a little bit more encouragement that, um, there are some that the coaching staff is being open to playing these young guys, and mm-hmm. I think that's what I want to see uh, going into fall is how quickly Harold Perkins adjusts into this uh, this uh, this level. Matthew Bruni, go two four seven sports. I'm also kind of intrigued on the offensive line. Garrett Dellinger, who missed the spring, uh, but he played in 12 games last year, started four of them. But boy, they look. Welcome to the big leagues because you got Traymond Shorts, Miles Frazier added in. You got the the Will Campbell as you mentioned. Uh, Dellinger's going to have to uh, step it up big time if he wants to get some playing time. Yeah, it's. Yeah, the offensive line is fascinating, especially even if you 
pencil in uh, Will Campbell and Cam Wire tackle positions, which I'm not super comfortable doing just because it's you know fall camp that could people could move around. But if you did that, you have basically Tremont Shorts, Charles Turner, Miles Fraser, uh, Garrett Dellinger, Anthony Bradford, and even freshman Emory Jones coming in. I mean, that's like six guys fighting for three spots, and that's without even mentioning a couple others like uh, Marcus Dumerville or uh, Xavier Hill. Like it's it's very very crowded. Uh, at the interior offensive line spot. So, um, Garrett Dellinger, he was a highly rated guy coming out of high school. He played a good amount last year, missed spring, so we don't fully know how comfortable he is um, in this unit. But, I mean, a lot of people expect him to start, and I think he'll have a good shot at it. We'll have to see how the fall goes, which, like you said, starts up on Thursday. Offense, uh, the offense, quarterback is a crowded room, running backs a crowded room, wide receivers a crowded room, offensive lines a crowded room. You know what's not a crowded room? Tight end. Cole Taylor's got to step up, man, because Brian Kelly loves yep. him some tight ends. He's going to have every chance to play. Can he step up and prove that he deserves to be out there? Because it's either he or Jack Mashburn, and after that, whew, nothing. Yeah, the only other, I mean, really scholarship one is Mason Taylor, who's a true freshman who I wasn't super high on as a recruit. So we'll we'll see if he can maybe prove me wrong. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny because uh, Brian, uh, Brian Kelly said at the the Rotary Club uh, when he spoke over there, he said we want to have a tight end on the field at all times, and that kind of caught me off guard because I was like maybe going into it, I thought maybe he'd have to be a little bit more multiple, a little bit more. Uh, uh, spread than they've been mm-hmm. in years past, but it sounds like they really want to have either Cole Taylor or Mashburn on the field at all times, which isn't crazy, but it's, I'm, I'm interested to see how they do it. You know, how, how do they get the most out of those guys? Because, um, you know, I'm not the highest on either one of them being overly talented, uh, as far as, as far as receiving goes. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and this is a crazy question because I'm so entrenched with the NFL. Is 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 time for transferring over? What if if none of these tight ends are worth a, a plug nickel? Can they go get somebody now um, that's out there in the portal still that's a tight end and bring them on campus? I mean, they're, they're, it's pretty much I, I believe it's closed. Uh, but I'm, I mean, at this point, the. They're just they're they're comfortable with what they have. I think the time for them to get a transfer uh, transfer tight end was was like right after spring when they talked okay. about it, and I don't think anybody in the portal just caught their attention. Gotcha. They're like, all right, we're just going to roll out here with what we have, which is w- weird, but you know, it was mm-hmm. there weren't a ton of options. I looked through the portal every day, and there was just like, eh, not much. I just wonder how many kids are still out in the portal with nowhere to go. You know what I mean? It's just like, golly, you took the chance. Yeah. Nobody, nobody lot. bit, and you're you're not going to be playing football, man. Yeah, crazy. All right. Yeah. Um, are you going to go follow these guys tomorrow? See them to see where they report and what they bring to their dorm rooms. Yeah, yeah, yep. You know, gonna gonna wake up, start knocking on some doors over there, man. Gotta gotta do the investigative reporting thing. Gotta get my. There you uh, go. I think it was what was it, Oklahoma who got the on a writer at Oklahoma, a student writer that had a drone or something like. Or no, they were looking at from the parking garage. That's what it was. Wow. Yeah, man. Might, might have to do that. Man, I just want to see what the uh, the the 
refrigerator, little mini fridges look like today as compared to back when when I reported to LSU uh, and had to have one in the dorm room. Man, of course they don't they stay in much better digs than we did back at Broussard Hall. But times are changing, and I, I'm all for it. So anyway, you're um one in ten seconds. Any any idea on what you guys in the media can uh, expect from Brian Kelly as far as practice availability? Uh, the first couple weeks, uh, we're hopeful that he'll be pretty open, but I think once it gets to those last two weeks, I think it'll be pretty pretty closed. So, okay. you know, we got to make the most of these early ones. That's for sure. Right. you got to get Michael Bonnet to tell you all what you can and what you can't do. All right, Matthew Bruni, go 247 <laughs> Sports. Thank you, man. That was great. I appreciate it. Yes, thanks, Jordy. Anytime. All right, you take care. We'll be back to wrap up hour number one after this final timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers, brought to you by Cajun Chef. Bring a little bottle with you. Their hot sauce, everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. We'll be back. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Beat the heat and cool off with us at Eon of Lafayette. Patients are amazed by the ease of treatment, blown away by the results. On average, patients experience a 21.6% fat loss after one treatment. That's amazing. Uh, Eon combines laser energy and simultaneously cooling to produce an ease for patients who are looking to lose the most fat in the most comfortable way. So get a treatment now and pay later with Cherry Payment Plans. It's very simple. It's very easy. That's Eon, E-O-N of Lafayette, soon to be Eon of Lafayette, Eon of Baton Rouge, and Eon of Mandeville, the first robotic, touchless, laser, fat-reducing, fat ridding experience um man it's touchless it's robotic it's the premier device and it's permanent fat loss i mean it is permanent all right our number one is in the books when we come back our number two saints news networks bob rose for another black and gold report stay with us the jordy helpert show Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, August 2nd, the year 2022. A busy first hour. If you missed any of it, go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Go on demand. Look up the Jordy Helper Show, and down the road, you'll be able to listen to our interview with Randy McElvoy, who covers the Houston Astros for the NBC affiliate in Houston. Uh, we talked about the New Orleans Saints and the Miami Dolphins, and, the, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit with Chris. Donalds, and we talked LSU with Matthew Bruni of Go247 Sports.
sports. But my main man, James Mesh, producing inside the master control suite in the game studios, pushing all the buttons, spinning all the tunes. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also in Lake Charles, 1041. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you have to be, happen to be in the Acadiana area and have your television set on, well, click, 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 uh, go to, uh, because you can see us. We're, we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, the Miami Dolphins uh, did a little tampering job with uh, Sean Payton and Tom Brady. And because of that, the Miami Dolphins um, have... uh, been stripped of their 2023 first round pick and they find owner Stephen Ross $1.5 million for the tampering. So Sean Payton still coaching with the Saints. Tom Brady still quarterbacking with uh, the Buccaneers and Stephen Ross at 82 years young and a billionaire sick and tired of losing. Well, um, did a little tampering and tried to coerce them to um, come to South Beach and play and coach for the Miami Dolphins. Well, that's a no-no. And, of course, this was all under the investigation um, uh, when former Dolphin coach Brian Flores uh, said in a lawsuit that alleging racism in the league's hiring practices that Ross attempted to incentivize him to, quote, tank or purposely lose games shortly after he was hired in 2019 ross allegedly offering flories a hundred thousand dollars for every loss that season so anyway um Sean Payton was pursued and pursued heavily by the Miami Dolphins. Yes, indeed. Um, you heard in the two-minute drill, the Astros were busy at the trade deadline. And um, one of the deals was uh, uh, getting rid of starter Jake Odorizzi uh, for a reliever in Will Smith, a lefty um, from the Atlanta Braves. So, uh Odorizzi, 32 years old, had a 3.75 ERA uh, this season. Um, And their rotation depth allowed them to part with Odorizzi for a needed lefty arm. Uh, Smith is 33 years old, a 4.38 ERA, a 1.95 strikeout to base on ball ratio this season. Um, So we'll see if um, the Astros are able to keep him going to platoon him and uh, to play him in platoon advantage situations. He should be a lot better off Astros trying to do everything they can uh, to get to that world series. They're 67 and 37. They're well ahead. And in first place in the American league West, the reigning champs uh, from Atlanta, meantime, are 62 and 41 firmly in possession of a wild card spot spot and still within range of the first place Mets in the national league East. So uh, you get a catcher, you get a first baseman, you get a left-handed reliever. Astros got to feel a little bit good about their position as things go 33 days away from the opening kickoff between LSU and Florida state LSU will, uh, the players will report 
tomorrow. They'll get their uniforms. They'll get all outfitted with equipment. They'll take all their physicals. Um, and then they will hit the practice field on Thursday. So busy, busy time there. Meanwhile, um, quarterback Ricky Collins of Woodlawn High School, the Panthers in Baton Rouge, decommitted from Purdue. Um, Collins showed up at the LSU Bayou Splash. Uh, that appearance, combined with his de- decommitment from Purdue, has made Collins the latest to receive LSU's social media treatment. Uh, last night, several players took to Twitter to spread the hashtag Ricky reconsidered, uh, and he has, and it looks like he is the guy that LSU wants, the one quarterback that they want in this recruiting class. Meanwhile, speaking of recruiting, um, can't always be perfect, and LSU baseball has been perfect, but um, just a few hours before the Major League Baseball signing deadline, former Vanderbilt shortstop Carter Young, a member of LSU's transfer portal class, reached a very lucrative deal with the Baltimore Orioles. This this was a shock to everybody, but just because you get drafted late doesn't mean that the money can't be right. Uh, remember, Jay Johnson announced Young as one of five Division I transfers who would join the Tigers for the 2023 season. Well, Baltimore threw a lot of money at Young. How about $1.325 million worth? Um after they were unable to reach an agreement with their third-round draft pick, Nolan McLean. So they said, we, we need a shortstop. So Carter Young, just because you were drafted way, way in the teens, I think 17th round, uh, we need you. Here's $1.3 million. Okay, so this is a blow to LSU's class. Remember, they lost their other transfer shortstop, former, former Baylor Bear Jack Pineda, to the draft. So two shortstops gone. So up comes the Louisiana Gatorade Player of the Year, Gavin Guidry of Barb High. So um, you got that. Um, utility player Gavin Duga reported his return. So between Gidry, Dugog, Jordan Thompson, Jack Merrifield, uh, they got some pretty good ones for the middle infield. They also got excellent news from the pitching staff perspective. Uh, incoming freshman pitcher Jaden Newt did not sign with the Milwaukee Brewers, and he will play for LSU. He's a 6'4", 235-pound, five-star right-hander from California. Um, six, four, two, thirty-five. You think he throws it hard? You think? Yeah, I think he does. Um, so, uh, yeah. So that's some some good news, some bad news along the lines. So, uh, and of course, we'll talk all things uh, New Orleans Saints with. Um, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network here in uh, just a few minutes. The other big deal that came down the pipeline, uh, Juan Soto from Washington. Now he's headed to the San Diego Padres. Um, Wow. One of the biggest blockbuster deals in trade deadline history. There have been future Hall of Famers traded at the deadline, like Tom Seaver, Ricky Henderson, Randy Johnson. There have been mega stars traded at their peak, Mark McGuire, Manny Ramirez, Justin Verlander, and just last year, Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. But there's never been a young player of Soto's magnitude traded at the deadline. One of the best hitters in the game and only 23 years old with two years of team control remaining um 
Soto's career OPS is 159. The only hitters with a higher OPS through their age 23 seasons. How about this list? Ted Williams, Ty Cobb, Mike Trout, Stan the Man Musial, and Albert Pujols, all Hall of Famers or Hall of Famers to be. So um, the Padres, man, uh, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, Josh Bell. That's a pretty serious, serious lineup. All right, those are your headlines of the day brought to you by the Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinics of Louisiana. One in Lafayette, right off of Ambassador Caffrey Parkway. One in Baton Rouge, off of Blue Bonnet Boulevard. Um, They are the number one aesthetic medicine practice in the nation voted upon and garnering the honor and deservedly so a hormone replacement therapy for men and women it is a game changer as we get older um we need help in certain areas and hormone replacement therapy it's easy it's simple it's life-changing they have fillers and injectables they have body sculpting both surgical and non-surgical call 337 484-1234. 484 337-484-1234. The Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinic of Louisiana in Lafayette on Ambassador Caffrey Parkway and in Baton Rouge off of Blue Bonnet Boulevard. Become the best you you possibly can become. The Aesthetic Medicine and Anti-Aging Clinic can do that for you in droves. All right, we'll take a time out here when we come back. Uh, another day of pads this time time indoors because of the weather we get the very latest on the hoodats in the black and gold report with bob rose from the saints news network after this timeout the jordy helpert show on the game and it's the only game in town 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles we're your home for the houston astros we're your home for the lsu tigers in southwest louisiana It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back. And, you know, either he's absolutely nuts or he's just a really good friend, and we really do appreciate it. But Bob Rose of the Saints News Network is vacationing somewhere. He's at the beach but he still wants to do this. And so we're greatly appreciative. Bob, I hope your family understands, man. You okay? I, Jordy, I'm doing well, and yeah. thank you so much. Uh, part of the family understands. Uh, I might have to buy the wife an extra big anniversary gift. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, I'm I'm both. I am a little bit crazy, but I am also a, uh, I like you guys a lot. So you're part of my Tuesdays, and here I am. Well, that's the best view we've ever had of you. And why don't you step to your right and we can just see the ocean and the and the sky and all that stuff. Man, look at that. Look at that. Bob Rose at the beach. Happy anniversary, man. That's that's awesome. Uh, obviously, you. you're not at Saints training camp. But if I know you, you've got your finger on the pulse of everything with what John Hendricks is doing there mm-hmm. and all that. So um, but I got to ask you. 
How about this, uh, the Miami Dolphins and Mr. Ross and the tampering with Peyton and Brady and, you know, one and a half million to a billionaire is, is, a, is a little slap on the wrist. But still, um, what were your reactions when you saw that? It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and you, know, you, you and I had speculated on that kind of thing a couple of months ago. Uh, about wondering exactly how how the Miami Dolphins were able to pursue Sean Payton without the New Orleans Saints permission, uh, right. because the Saints never gave uh, you know, expressed written permission or otherwise, as the saying would go. Uh, I'm hearing that the NFL uh, not only financially penalized uh, you know Mr. Ross, yep. the Dolphin owner, uh, but also took away a first round draft choice. Yep. Uh, yep. In 2022 or 2023, excuse me. Right. Uh, yeah, to me, that's just a slap on the wrist. I agree with you. Uh, yeah. you know, I think the I think the Dolphins you know, should be penalized you know far more severe than that. Uh, you know, possibly even as far as prohibiting them from going after said coach Payton if they were to become available uh, in a year or so. But, you know, yeah. Something the NFL needs to needs to crack down on this sort of behavior by all franchises. But shame on the Dolphins for acting this way. It's so unprofessional. Man, they're busy with the Dolphins. They're also busy. Were you? What was your reaction to the Deshaun Watson situation? Anger, anger. I won't lie. Okay. Uh, I, I realize that we live in a country, uh, you know, that the Constitution spells out our rights. You know, innocent until proven guilty. Uh, but come on, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson and his legal team settled out of court uh, with at least thirty situations. Uh, you know, up to sixty situations are acknowledged. Uh, and, and I, I again, I realize that the grand jury, uh, you know, supposedly found you know, too little evidence to you know, pursue the matter further legally. Uh, you know, I, I'd like, I'd like to know how that happened, but whatever. I'm not behind closed doors. Uh, let's put this, uh, this into perspective a little bit. A handful of years ago, Ben Roethlisberger got suspended four games for one alleged incident. And we do have to say alleged. I acknowledge that for one alleged incident that he settled out of court. Jordy, this is 25 to 30 situations. I'm with you. Uh, and, and I realize it's an apples and oranges comparison, and I should tip, tiptoe on eggshells here. Uh, but when it comes to, say, our own Alvin Kamara situation, and I realize I'm coming off as a little bit of a homer also. Uh, yeah, it, this just tells me that the league puts absolutely no regard uh, and, and sexual misconduct, domestic abuse, the much more serious situations facing our entire society. And it, it, it angers and sickens me. Yeah, there is no um, everything is different. I mean, the, the weight of it just makes no sense. The balance of what the NFL doles out and they have until Thursday where they can counter this uh and then you know deshaun watson's group said we're gonna file a lawsuit and it, it's just uh, it's just one thing after another after another my goodness gracious all right let's let's talk about some fun stuff weather forced the saints uh indoors today are you starting at all to get concerned about uh tyron matthew still not around i have i have no look i i don't know what's going on with the the business that he's trying to take care of uh, but man, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. It, it concerns me as far as you know, matters on the football field. Sure. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Tyron Matthew is a, is a veteran. He, he's, he's, he's a pro. Uh, yeah. So I'm not worried about his game shape when he gets back. Uh, I hope 
that it isn't a personal matter uh, mm-hmm. you know, that negatively affects his life in a great way. And if it is, our prayers certainly go out to him and his family for dealing with said situation. Uh, you know, the, the Saints are one of the better organizations in all of professional sports. So, of course, they're going to give him whatever time he needs to get that situation rectified. Uh, but certainly as a fan and as an organization, uh, you want Tyron Matthew on the field as quickly as possible. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, given the fact that we don't know what's going on, uh, you know, of course, it's, it, it is concerning uh, for Tyron Matthew, the person, uh, and Tyron Matthew, the player, as far as how his fit is going to be in that defense. Uh, but I have confidence he's going to be out there you know, sooner rather than later. Okay, um, from the reports that you're hearing, um, and we've talked about this before, I know I'm a huge fan of Taysom Hill. He's not available. Mm-hmm. He got a got a little ankle or whatever. I don't know what it is, a rib, a rib yes. uh, situation. So he missed practice again, but sure seems like everything I read, Adam Troutman's catching passes, Adam Troutman's catching passes, Adam Troutman's catching passes. Could be an Adam Troutman year. You never know. Hey, if it is, I'm all for it. And yeah, I'm hearing the same thing. Uh, you know, when I, you know, the film that I've seen on Adam Troutman so far this camp, uh, you know, he's running routes sharper than I have seen either of his previous two years uh, in game or practice conditions. Uh, you know, so if Adam Troutman's going to be a late bloomer, I, I, I'm here for it. Uh, and the Saints obviously liked something that they saw out of Troutman when they drafted him because they traded four picks, yeah. three or four picks up to get him in the third round. Uh, yeah, and it's way too early to give up on that kind of investment. So you know, I certainly didn't expect Adam to be cut or traded this offseason. Uh, I, I just I was hedging my own bets as far as uh, you know, what to expect from him, uh, particularly as a pass catcher this season. And if he's going to pleasantly surprise you know, those doubters like myself, uh, I'm I'm all for it. You know, the the Saints certainly need a bona fide threat at the position. Still a Taysom Hill fan, but we we shall see. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network here, the black and gold report each and every Tuesday. Um, uh, In the paper headlines, teammates say that um, Paulson Adebo has taken the next step. And now they're starting to talk about, man, you may not find better corners, a better better <laughs> tandem of corners in the league than Marshawn Lattimore and Paulson Adebo. Is it too early to think like that? Not at all. Uh, I suggested as much last year numerous times. I thought Paulson Adebo played at a Pro Bowl caliber level, uh, especially down the stretch of last year. And, uh, yeah, as far as you know, the, the footage I've seen, the things I've read, Uh, And talking to different people who have been there, Paulson Adebo has to earn the biggest star of training camp so far. Uh, And when he came out of Stanford, he was a first round talent. Uh, you know, he he dropped because uh, because he decided to opt out of you know, the, his last collegiate season uh, you know, because of COVID. Uh, and that cornerback class uh, you know, two years ago was just so stacked. Uh, yeah, that, that, that there was bound to be a player or two draw. But everybody acknowledged when the Saints moved up to get him in the third round that, you know, they're getting a first-round talent. He showed that on the field, in my opinion, last year. So I'm not surprised to hear he's taking the next step. What was a head-scratcher to me is, you know, people automatically assuming that Elante Taylor was going to take Paulson's job, you know, just because he was a second-round pick. And I was like, well, wait a minute here. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, Adebo and Lattimore were just too good a combination. Uh, and, and Adebo is not going to give up that spot, obviously, without a fight. I, I like this kid a lot. I, I thought he was their best rookie last year. 
not to be stereotypical, but they don't allow you normally into Stanford unless you're a pretty smart character. Right. Um, and I, I think he um, um, has learned the game quicker maybe than a lot of other players would be able to as far as absorbing information, uh, quantifying it, and then taking that to the field and executing that. And that, as a, as a coach, that's, that's immeasurable. That's invaluable being able to be smart and to think, be able to register without thinking. It just becomes instinctive. You're absolutely right, Jordy. Uh, and uh, as a general rule, cornerback is one of those spots that we see the biggest jump from a player uh you know from year one into year two or year three uh yeah and paulson again i don't like to be stereotypical either uh yeah but but stanford isn't a uh, if you'll excuse the expression stanford isn't a dumb jock college or a a, a football factory uh yeah and, and draw right. the line there yeah you, you you can't be a dumb kid and get into stanford it doesn't matter whether you're playing a sport or not so again i'm not surprised at what paulson adebo is doing so far uh and and i and I love the the combination of him and Lattimore on the edges against the uh, fellow wide receivers. John Hendricks told me that the play of the day today was a uh, sixty yard drop the drop the dime in the bucket to Deontay Hardy, uh, who got past that vaunted secondary with his speed for a touchdown. So um, I like those kind of plays. That's a good one. Let's keep doing that. Oh, I'm all for it. And they, yeah, the, the the Saints offense is geared to hitting defenses with exactly that kind of play. We know that Jameis Winston has a, has a cannon for an arm. Uh, we know that Deontay Hardy can get deep. We know that Chris Olave can get deep. And that's just going to open up things underneath for you know guys like Michael Thomas. Uh, and welcome back, can't guard Mike, by the way. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Marquez Calloway, Adam Troutman, if he decides to be a pass catcher this year. Uh, you know, I, I, I just love the big play threat that I expect the Saints to, to hit NFL defenses with week in and week out this year. Um. Bob Rose St. Suzette seems like every day um, you get the Trevor Penning mention. Um, <laughs> and today, today, apparently he uh, JT Gray took exception to a block from Penning, uh, which led to some pushing and shoving after the whistle. It seems like every day. Who was that Saints offensive lineman that always got in fights? Who was that? Kyle Turley. Yes, he's a Kyle Turley clone, yeah. right? Yes, he absolutely is. Uh, and I, I thought that even watching you know, uh, uh, Trevor Penning's collegiate film uh, is that he reminded me a lot like Turley. He plays not to the whistle. He plays through the whistle. Uh, and <laughs> I, I think Penning even might be a more athletic version of Kyle Turley. And Tur Kyle is an outstanding offensive yeah. lineman for you younger Saints fans. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if, if the Saints have themselves a Kyle Turley clone – they have themselves a heck of a football player. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's amusing me that every day there's a there's a skirmish or two uh, that involve Trevor Penning. Uh, and, yeah, that just tells you I, I knew the Saints fans would love this kid. He is an intense warrior. Uh, and, yeah, he, he's going to make defenders earn every inch that they're going to get against him. All right, let's take a quick time out here. Let you uh, go sip that uh, pina colada. Uh, look at the beach for a minute. Go, go kiss your wife and say, baby, Jordy needs me a little bit longer. And uh, then we'll be back, okay? So we'll take a time out. The Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose after this time out. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, where you're home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. 
time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. August 2nd, 1982. Oakland A's outfielder Ricky Henderson steals his 100th MLB base of the season in a 6-5 win over Seattle. Henderson is the first to steal 100 twice in modern era. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 34 minutes after the hour on this Tuesday, August the 2nd, as we continue with the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. The Saints will return to uh, for practice seven of training camp tomorrow at 9 a.m. And after two days in full pads, they are scheduled to practice in shells. And if you're a Saints fan, well, I'm sorry, it is closed to the public. Um, Bob, we, we mentioned some names here. Any any other any other names? names out there that you're hearing that um, might be catching this coaching staff's eye and might be in line to uh, to make this squad that maybe they weren't even being considered before. Anybody else standing out? Yeah, there's a few. Uh, you know, Bryce Thompson, after a strong uh, you know, mini camp, uh, you know, is capitalizing on that momentum so far uh, and has had a start a strong start to training camp. So I expect Bryce to have a say so and who uh, you know who's going to you know grab one of those final spots at a very deep safety position. Uh, you know, speaking of safety, Justin Evans has made some outstanding plays as well. Uh, you know, he's been a little bit inconsistent. Uh, you know, in in, uh, in his coverage responsibilities, but he's showing the speed, athleticism, and range. Uh, you know, made him a second round draft for 2017. Uh, you know, Justin is trying to come back from a couple of brutal Achilles injuries. He's a hard guy not to root for. Uh, you know, with uh, Tyron Matthew out, uh, you know, Marcus May, they're going kind of light with him to start training camp. Uh, you know, Bryce, this is great opportunities for guys like Bryce Thompson, Justin Evans, Smoke Monday, uh, you know, has made some real bone, uh, bone crunching hits early on too, uh, that has certainly caught the attention of, you know, onlookers, uh, and, and the crowd at Saints camp. You got to believe that Dennis Allen, a defensive guy, of course, uh, you know, has got to love what he sees, you know, out of Smoke Monday and the rest of that secondary, really, uh, offensively, Lucas Crawl. Uh, yeah, has made some plays, uh, and we knew that Lucas was quite an athlete coming out of pit and a good pass catcher. Uh, I'm interested to see if Crawl is able to take that next step as a blocker, something that he did not do well at the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, if he can, he might be able to knock a, a veteran guy like you know Nick Bennett or even perhaps Juwan Johnson, uh, you know, off at the tight end depth depth chart. Uh, you know, those are the those are the unheralded guys that I'm hearing. Uh, I'm hearing Peyton Turner and Carl Granderson have had really strong starts to practice. Uh, obviously, those are two guys that really don't have anything to worry about as far as jobs go. Uh, but we do love to see the potential uh, uh, next step that these guys are going to take in their career development. Uh, and Taco Charlton uh, you know, has, uh, has created some quarterback disruption uh, as well. Uh, you know, so maybe Taco will have a say so and be able to rejuvenate his career being a former number one draft choice. True. Um, guess who had a good day today? Um, and it's guy that another one that we thought, and then kind of like a Troutman who, man, what, what did they see in this guy? But Zach Bond had yes. a good day. Uh, forced to fumble, had a really good hit on a, a pass over the middle of the field. Um, really caught the coach's eyes. He, he, but here again, that's one day. Can you do it mm-hmm. day after day after day after day? That's the key. But at least, at least he had a good one. 
Yeah, and I, I heard that as well. Uh, you know, the Zach Bond had a really strong practice. Uh, with Zach, Zach's going to have to prove it to me in a different way, though, because Zach Bond was kind of fool's gold last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he had a terrific preseason uh, and you know, really a strong training camp altogether in his second year last year. Uh, but then once the regular season came, you know, he quickly proved that he cannot be relied on for what the Saints defensive coaches need him to do. Uh, so if Zach Bond starts making plays in open space, that's what's going to be uh, when I turn my head uh, and say, okay, well, you know, you know, like potentially Adam Troutman, maybe the Saints have a late bloomer here uh, and Bond who's coming into his. Uh, I would love to see it because that would really bolster that linebacker depth, uh, you know, which is one of this team's few question marks right now. Uh, but I'm happy to see that he's making plays. I'm rooting for him. Pop Rose, Saints News Network, he is at some isolated beach having the time of his life, and he's spending time with us, and we can't can't thank him enough. Um, we talked about it forever and a day, how important a guy like Will Lutz is um, in the kicking game, and he got cleared to play, and, and apparently he was a little bit rusty, and who wouldn't be? But uh, today he was 7-for-7 seven seven, um, before coming up short and right from 54 yards out. Then everybody left. He went and did the kick again and drilled it. So uh, a healthy Lutz is just another offensive weapon that you can put um, on that side of the ball that's that's so valuable. I, I'm thrilled to see him looking like the Will Lutz of old. Yeah, it is. I mean, he's a. I, I'm thrilled too. He, he's an easy guy to root for. He's a very, really good guy. Uh, but uh, in my opinion, a healthy Will Lutz. I will take over any other kicker in a clutch situation, uh, you know, from long distance or otherwise. Uh, and people forget to, I mean, you know, not only his field goal percentage, I mean, he all but guarantees uh, you know, New, New Orleans points once they hit the opposing 40-ish yard line, uh, you know, which is crucial, as you pointed out. Uh, but his kickoffs. Uh, yeah, the, the Saints kickoff coverage wasn't what we saw in past years in 2021. And that could be due to the fact that the kickers that they used, the four different kickers they went through, uh, you know, none of them could get it you know, into the end zone. You know, none of them really pinned those opposing returners back uh, and made them force them to make the hard decision. Do I take on Saints coverage uh, or do I you know, gamble and let this roll through the end zone? You know, yeah. Will Lutz will give you that. Uh, you know, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll give his pickoff coverage units a, a big advantage. Uh, and yeah, you know, I, I, his, uh, his return to this team is going to be crucial in 2022. Bob Rose, St. Sue's Network. I meant to ask you this earlier, but um, now that I've, it's fresh in my mind, what were your thoughts on um, the battery case against Alvin Kamara delayed another 60 days that we found out uh, on Monday. So instead of August the 1st, he was supposed to be in court Monday, but he was out on the practice field. Now we're talking September 1st, October 1st at the earliest. Um, And and any correlation, I I know it's apples and oranges, like you said, but the, the, the lack of severe punishment for Deshaun Watson, man, gives you hope for Alvin Kamara? I mean, I, I hate to say, look, they're both wrong in what they did, yeah. but okay, if you're going to do that, then take care of my boy. Uh, yeah, as a Saints fan, you you certainly believe that this should be the case, uh, and, and I believe it too. And I'm, like, I'm not discounting and I'm not brushing aside what Alvin Kamara and his party 
you know, that night we're accused of. That is a very serious, you know, situation. Uh, And at the very least, uh, you know, Alvin is guilty of very poor judgment uh, in uh, in an escalating situation. Uh, But I I was surprised that this preliminary hearing was delayed yet again. Uh, Because, again, this is just a preliminary hearing. Alvin Kamara's representatives have said over and over again that they that they and their client plan on entering a plea of not guilty, which means that preliminary hearing is only going to be one step in this process in a trial process. This tells me that it's very unlikely that Alvin, unless he changes his plea, mind you, that Alvin Kamara may not be suspended at all in 2022 because this thing is going to carry out too long. If and when that happens, however, uh, I do believe that the Deshaun Watson situation has now set precedence. Uh, and it, it's a precedent I don't like. I, I will throw that out there right now. But it's set precedent uh, that the NFL seems maybe willing to go lighter uh, on these sort of cases. Sexual it's, assault, domestic yeah. battery, felony, battery, et cetera. And again, I'm not brushing this aside. If you break the law, you should get punished. Uh, but as a Saints fan... I'm hoping that an, a, a potential suspension to Alvin Kamara is slammed to none. He's there practicing and waiting to see. So maybe we'll know something later. But as of right now, he is good. And, of course, that Deshaun Watson thing, that was something agreed upon by the NFL and the NFLPA to get an intermediary to uh, to see, hear the case and to come up with a decision. But uh, Roger Goodell still has the final say according to the agreement signed by the NFLPA and the NFL yep. he has the right to uh change that here that that ruling and do what he wants yep. to do we shall see they've got till Thursday morning on the uh Deshaun Watson case we'll see what happens there you mentioned Paulson Adebo as a possible MVP of the Saints camp i think it's a three-way race between he Chris Olave and Peyton Turner, from all the reports I've got, these guys are just tearing it up. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm, in, I'm hearing and seeing as well. Uh, you know, I, Jarvis Landry's made some plays. Carl Granderson has turned some heads. Eric McCoy is having a really strong camp. Uh, but, yeah, you, if you're assigning three stars out to Saints training camp, what, you know, just a week and a half, uh, not even a week and a half in. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd go with D-Bay uh, and, and Peyton Turner, uh, probably in that order. Uh, and given the positions that they play and the importance that they're going to carry to the New Orleans Saints offensively and defensively, uh, you couldn't you you couldn't ask for a better start to camp, you know, from these three guys. And I'm looking forward to great things from them this year. Okay, everything, of course, predicated on Jameis Winston. I'm hearing that uh, his maneuverability is better. So maybe that Achilles, he's, I don't know if he's 100%, but he, he might be closer to it. Um, Saints fans were like, oh, my God, first two passes he threw in camp were pick sixes. But it seems like he's settled down a little bit, and he's he, he's he's playing much better. Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, and that's what I'm seeing, too. Uh, yeah, the, the first – the first handful of clips that I saw early in camp, uh, I did see a, you know, a little bit of erratic accuracy uh, you know, from Jameis. Uh, but even those practices that he'd get off the rocky starts, he settled down relatively quickly. Uh, I've come to this conclusion about Jameis Winston, uh, and this from watching him last year in a Saints uniform, too. He's an emotional guy. Uh, extremely competitive. You get those competitive juices flowing out of control. And, Jordy, you played 
uh, you know, as well at a high level, so you know this, uh, your competitive juices can actually work against you if you can't rein yourself in. Uh, and maybe that's the issue with Jameis Winston uh, is that he needs to come out of the gate a little bit calmer when it comes to game situations. Uh, and, you know, he's facing in practice one of the best, if not the best defense and secondary in the NFL. Uh yeah, so he's going to be challenged not only day after day, but heck, play after snap after snap. Uh, you know, so you could, you know, if you're following the iron sharpens iron philosophy, Jameis Winston is going to be challenged. And you're right, he has played, he has evened out that consistently consistency the last couple of practices. Uh, and yeah, he's finding his not only finding his receivers and avoiding turnovers, but he's giving those receivers passes right on the money where they can move and get yards after the catch in a game type of situation uh yeah and that's you can't ask for anything more from your quarterback so i'm excited so so valuable as long as these guys can stay healthy and uh the honey badger gets in camp sooner rather than later uh just for the chemistry purposes right just just for that yeah. Yeah. solidification thing that's uh that is critical um does ian book make this 53 man roster they're gonna keep three quarterbacks I have him as a I have him as a bubble player myself, Jordy. Uh, only because when you look at when you look at positions like wide receiver, safety, defensive end, uh, even perhaps offensive line, uh, those are very deep positions. Uh, I would not be surprised at all if the Saints rolled into the season with Jameis Winston and uh, uh, and Andy Dalton, uh, and keeping that spot uh, a potential third quarterback spot to keep an extra roster player. Uh, Ian Book is going to have to be extremely impressive in preseason, showed that he has made great developments over, you know, over a rookie year. Uh, I don't necessarily see him you know, kicking Ian Book to the street, mind you. Mm -hmm. uh, I still see him as a developmental project that maybe the Saints roll, you know, Dennis Allen rolls the dice and says, you know what, I need to keep a player, an extra player at one of these positions. I'm going to cut Book. Once he clears waivers, we'll bring him back to the practice squad because the Saints yeah. are going to keep someone with veteran experience on the practice squad if they go into uh, regular season with two quarterbacks. Yeah. But Ian Book's going to have to play his way onto the active roster the way I see it. If he has a strong, accurate, consistent preseason, then they're not going to be – they're going to realize that this kid's not going to clear waivers and we got to keep three quarterbacks. Well, here's what I do then, right? I don't play him. If right. you think he's good enough, I don't play him so that nobody gets tape on him. And then he clears waivers. And now I got him on the practice squad because, you know, there's some coaches out there and GMs and scouts are going to say, man, that guy, what, how many years has he been with the Saints? A couple. And he, Sean Payton's been coaching him up every day, mm -hmm. every day. He's got to have learned something. I, I don't know if I'd play the guy. What if he what if he plays great? What do you do then? And that's the double-edged sword. Uh, I, I mean, if he plays great, like you said, you can't expose him to waivers because you'll never get him back. You'll never get him back. Uh, but at the, at the same time, if, uh, if I'm Pete Carmichael, if I'm Dennis Allen, I also want to see this kid uh, in game situations, perhaps even against opposing number two defenses, yeah. uh, because you didn't get that opportunity with Ian Book last year. Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston were taking all the, uh, all the meaningful snaps because they were in a, a, a de facto quarterback competition. So you never really got to see book in meaningful game situations. And to, and I don't count that Miami game late in the season. So, like I said, it's a double-edged sword. If 
if I'm Dennis Allen, I do play him in game situations. Okay. Uh, and if he plays well, again, I'm, I, I realize then I'm forced to keep him on the active roster. Otherwise, I lose him before he gets to the practice squad. Um, I'm curious, Bob, a- after only playing a hand seven games a year ago, um, you got to play Jameis Winston a lot in the preseason, don't you? He's got to get reps. Yeah, I think so. I mean, especially considering uh, you know, Jameis didn't get a chance to play with Michael Thomas at all in 2021. He's never played with Chris Olave. He's never played with Jarvis Landry. That's a great point. You need to get those reps up. Uh, yeah. You know, so, yeah, if I'm Dennis Allen, I, you know, I, do, uh, I, I don't roll the dice too much, uh, but I definitely get you know, Winston in on at least three or four series uh, and uh, no less than two of those preseason games uh, and probably two or three series on the third one. I'm with you 100%. Bob Rose, you are a trooper. Uh, Your time is done. Go make amends with the family. Thank you so much. Enjoy what looks like a beautiful day back here. It's well, it's it's overcast. It's raining every day. Enjoy your your uh, anniversary. And thank you, man. You're you have gone above and beyond the call of duty. We appreciate it. And Jordy, your family, I wouldn't think of you any other way, but I appreciate you, uh, uh, your kind words. Thank you. Go, uh, go, go pound one for me, man. Go drink a good one for me. All right. Sounds good. All right. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back and uh, better than ever as we wrap things up here on a uh, Tuesday edition. Tomorrow, the Astros will be playing uh, on a getaway day, so we will be um, off the air tomorrow. So listen to the Astros um, right here on uh, 103.7 The Game and 104.1. How about that? Uh, In non-trade news, uh, former UL Ragin' Cajun, Catcher Jonathan LaCroix announced his retirement and he will be inducted into the Milwaukee Brewers Hall of Fame on Saturday. How about that? So congratulations to Jonathan Charles LaCroix. Um, Yeah, uh, served as a Cajun starting catcher uh, during his sophomore season. He set a school record with 182 career runs batted in, 414 total bases, 54 doubles, and what a major league career he had. Special thanks to all of our guests, Randy McElvoy on the Astros at the trade deadline, Chris Dunnels on the Saints and the tampering by the Miami Dolphins on Sean Payton, Matthew Bruni as LSU gets ready for fall camp and Bob Rose from the Saints News Network. Um, If today, August 2nd, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share your day. He would have been 85 today, but the Heisman Trophy winning running back from LSU, Billy Cannon, who passed away, would have been 85 today. Uh, Who can forget the Halloween night run um, and the first Heisman Trophy winner? Uh, and um, for the longest time until Joe Burrow, uh, of course, got his in 2019. So LSU has two. Uh, it's a great statue of Billy in front of Tiger Stadium. When's Joe's coming? Because it ought to be coming real, real soon. So there you go. Um, James, appreciate everything. 
Uh, enjoy some time off tomorrow, but I know you've got Miguez and Mesh uh, coming up later on right after this. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening in whatever form or fashion do, radio, internet, television, we're everywhere. And thanks to our partners that make it possible each and every day. Until Thursday then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. That's the most important thing, healthy. Let's be kind to one another and uh, let's be happy. Have a great night, everybody. So long.